Good day. Happy Monday to everybody. This is the Kinks and Beats podcast daily. I'm your host as always, Tony Fry, and I welcome you to episode number 11. We are now entering into week three of this podcast, and uh, I'm thrilled to at some of the feedback I'm getting and uh, the listenership that's growing all over the world. Hello to all these listeners in Sweden. I don't know how you found us, but I'm glad you're here. Today we're going to be talking about a song. I hinted last episode that we were going to talk about a song that saved rock and roll music. And as you can tell by the title of this episode, we're talking about She Loves You, which was a ginormous hit for the Beatles back in the early days of Beatlemania. It was released on August 23rd, 1963 in the UK and September 16th, 1963 in the United States, where it flopped. Didn't do anything here. And I know it's hard to believe now, looking back um, nearly you know, 55, 60 years ago, at the thought of the Beatles having a flop. We have to remember in those early days, as huge as they were in, in the UK and Europe, uh, they hadn't really cracked here. And in a lot of ways, it's amazing they ever did. Because for all intents and purposes, rock and roll in America was dead. And the reason the English did it so much better through the 60s is because they were the ones that kept it alive. They they got the the records that America produced in the 50s a little bit later and you know, really ate them up and consumed them and studied them and learned them inside and out and really became in a lot of ways they respected the art form more than America did at the time. So you look at 1963 um, or really the first few years of the 60s. Chuck Berry, jail for uh, transporting a minor over state lines. Uh, Elvis Presley was drafted in the army, comes back from the army, starts doing movies. So he's not, you know, as focused on the records. Buddy Holly's dead. Little Richard went gospel. Uh, Fats Domino changed his record label. And when he changed his record label, they... Um, changed out his longtime producer and song co-writer and his chart success was virtually killed. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis was probably murdering someone or something, but the the fact of the matter is the, the, the giants of 1950s rock and roll were not relevant into the early sixties. And some of them enjoyed a resurgence like Chuck Berry, for example, thanks in large part to the British invasion and bands like the Beatles and the Stones covering his music. But they were never going to be the chart-topping dominators that they were half a decade, a decade earlier. So then we look, so that's all gone. And what what comes up in their, in their replacement over those years are a lot of the teen heartthrob crooners, like your Paul Ankas uh, and your Dion's and those types. Okay, so rock music has virtually disappeared. At this point, it is lightweight pop music. It's uh, uh, younger than Sinatra, but not any heavier or cooler or anything like that. And we've kind of regressed back to a pre-rock era because, I mean, look at our rock stars let us down. 
We got one marrying his first cousin, one in jail for transporting and possibly sleeping with a 14 year old. Uh, Rock and roll had established its bad boy image at that point. So then you look at the top songs of 1963, which was, you know, the Beatles are trying to break into America. And these are your top five songs of the year. Number one, Sugar Shack by Jimmy Gilmer and the Fireballs, uh, which is a mid-tempo pop tune that's bordering on novelty song. Um, And I'll be I'll just put this right out in, in the beginning of this. I'm not disparaging any of these songs. I actually like. All of them. They're all pretty good songs, but these are not rock and roll songs. These are pop tunes. Uh, number two, Surfing USA by the Beach Boys, which is a 1950s pastiche. How do we get away with calling it that? They literally ripped off Chuck Berry. It's a Chuck Berry guitar riff. It's a Chuck Berry melody. Uh, Chuck Berry would eventually sue them and get co-writing credit on it. It is a straight-up 1950s pastiche. So, and And frankly, the Beach Boys are not rock and roll you know they're very clean cut they're very uh mild mannered the music is great music but you know it's glorified barbershop quartet in a way then we have the end of the world by rem i mean skeeter davis which is a lush 6-8 ballad again kind of a 1950s pastiche if you would have told me this was a patsy klein song um i would have believed you not that Skeeter Davis was as good of a singer as Patsy Cline, but it had that feel. Um, then we have Rhythm of the Rain, which is a mid-tempo bubblegum pop, another 1950s pastiche. Uh, kind of sounds like an Everly Brothers tune, maybe doing a little hint of doo-wop in there. And then uh, rounding out the top five is He's So Fine by the Chiffons, which is just an average girl group track. As far as the girl groups went, there were a lot better tracks floating around in the early 60s and into the mid 60s and the Beatles were listening to all of them obviously one of the Beatles listening he's so fine a few times because he would um, subconsciously plagiarize it seven years later for my sweet lord and then it comes the Beatles okay and and you have to remember I know this is the kinks and beats podcast and the kinks are this amazing rock and roll band raw energy and everything but this was the hit first. And um, listen to this song again on your headphones full blast and pay attention to the bass drum and the bass guitar, which were mixed louder than anybody had mixed them at all before. Okay, then go back and listen to any of the songs I just listed and see if you can even hear a bass drum. The fact is, a lot of the guys that um, started in early rock and roll, a lot of those guys from the 50s were session guys who were doing a lot of jazz gigs and stuff like that. And they weren't necessarily rock and rollers. You know, it's like uh, uh, these guys were just called in to play the song and they were it was just assembly line record production. And in jazz, you don't attack the bass drum as much. The bass drum is there for a little bit of support on your crashes and stuff. But the, in jazz, you're not doing the boom, 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 boom. You know, that just wasn't a thing that had become in rock and roll. And so Ringo comes around and a lot of drummers of his generation and from Europe uh, comes along and he is pounding that bass drum like crazy because he, his is born out of more of the, the skiffle stuff, obviously. But, uh, 
it's it's not born out of jazz technique, right? Ringo wasn't brought up in that tradition. He wasn't um, listening to those records and everything. So the the bass drum is a lot more prevalent in this song more than any other song that was in the top of the charts preceding it. And bass guitar as well. Although this is not one of Paul's most inspired bass lines, uh, it is pretty high in the mix. So that gives it a heavier sound. And if you put it on uh, right next to Sugar Shack or Rhythm of the Rain, this is heavy metal. And it's, and it's hard to remember, looking back at it today, what a drastic difference this was from from its contemporaries, right? This does not sound like Black Sabbath now. But in 1963, this was the difference between Metallica and the Backstreet Boys. Literally. Um, so it, it's a heavy, heavy, heavy recording. And it's filled with excitement. And obviously, I Want to Hold Your Hand becoming a hit in America led the way for She Loves You to become a hit afterwards. But I Want to Hold Your Hand, as great as it is, and as it's a good rock song, is a little bit more accessible. And so it, She Loves You kind of needed that introduction where, you know, they recorded it and then you've got this uh, really accessible, solid rock tune and I Want to Hold Your Hand. And then they can go, oh, hi, we're the Beatles. This is I Want to Hold Your Hand. Now listen to this. And now that we've kind of amped up the energy, you know, we can go from eight to 10, but releasing She Loves You First was like going from three to 10. And it was just, you know, it would have been surprising if it had become a hit in America upon release. So it does eventually hit number one in America. Um, beginning on March 21st, 1964, it spent two weeks in the top spot, six months after its initial release. Remember, it was released in America on September 16th. It doesn't hit number one till March 21st. And it was one of the five songs um, that took the top five spots on the Billboard charts, which was the first time that had ever happened, where one band had all five of the top five songs at the same time. This was one of those songs, and it, and it ended up um, squeaking its way up to number one eventually in March. So one thing that I always found impressive about this song and I wanted to do a little music theory analysis on this one, but then I just, I changed my mind and decided, let's just look at the lyrics, not the most groundbreaking lyrics. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's your intro. It is kind of clever uh, how this song is a love song, but a third person love song right? The, the singer is talking to somebody about somebody else. So it's not as personal as most love songs were. But what's cool about this tune is you can make the argument that there's not really a chorus. Okay. And hear me out because I don't, I don't think, I'm not a hundred percent decided if I actually um, believe my own argument. But we open with the She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yes. That's the intro. That's nothing. It's a hook. It's a great hook. It gets you right into the song immediately. Um, that was something 
that you didn't hear a lot of at the time was they're essentially opening with the chorus, but we don't know yet that that's not the chorus. Then we get the verse. You think you've lost your love, blah, 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 blah. And then the next stanza, she says she loves you and you know that can't be bad. Yes, she loves you and you know you should be glad. Now, we could call this the chorus. Or we could call it like a B section of the verse. So the the one verse is actually two stanzas long. And the she says she loves you does come from that introductory uh, melody, but it doesn't mimic it, right? There's no yeah, yeah, yeahs. There's more words. She says she loves you, and you know that can't be bad. She says she loves you, and you know you should be glad. Those are, you know, more developed lyrics than she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we go on to uh, she said you heard her so, followed by she says she loves you. So again, we can make the argument that this is going intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Or intro, verse, verse B, verse A, verse B. Because after that, it goes back into she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And then, but then it has the, with a love like that, you know you should be glad. Which the introduction didn't have. So it's a variation on the introduction. Or we can call this the chorus which means that the introduction was actually a variation on the chorus and not an intro. <sighs> you know, it's up to you. I think it's only fair. Pride can hurt you too. Apologize to her. Rhymed with fair. That's a stretch. Um, because she loves you and you know that can't be bad. So again, verse A, verse B, or verse chorus. And then we go to the outro, which is she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. With a love like that, you know you should be glad which mimics um, what happened in the middle of the song. And then they repeat um, with a love like that, you know, you should be glad with a love like that. You know, you should be glad. Typically you do those repeats over the chorus and then um, they do the little, you know, you should be glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they're quoting the intro. So listen up, you can make the argument that this song has no real chorus. It has, it opens with a bridge. It has a verse and then uh, uh, the second half of the verse repeats. And then you get that bridge again in the middle and then it closes with the bridge. Or you could argue that it opens with the chorus and uh, there's verse, verse B, verse, verse B chorus. Or you could say this song has real no form at all. We are looking at an A, B, C, A, I'm sorry, A, B, C, B, C, A, B, C, A, A form. Regardless, you couldn't make this argument about many songs prior to She Loves You. Uh, the, there was a formula in place. You know, it was... Verse, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, out. You know, it was it was a very simple uh, form. It was very easy to identify. This song, like many, many, many Beatles songs, is very difficult to identify um, a form. Which is awesome. And the fact that they can 
get away with it in 1963 when they don't really have the power uh, that they would have in even 1964 or five is really amazing. And it's a, a testament to how good the song is. Even if the lyrics are a little bit of a stretch, you know, with fair and her, it's still a great tune. It's got a great rhythm section. The rhythm guitar work on it is super heavy. Uh, the bass and drums, like I said, this is a good tune and they end it with a six chord. Um, so this song on top of the yeah, yeah, yeahs, which are quintessential Beatles and a lot of the, Ooh, which is quintessential Beatles. They also end on a six chord, which would not be the only time they do that. So here's a regular chord. I'm going to do an A chord. All right. So you have your root, your third and your fifth, and that's it. Three notes and you can stack them in whatever order you want. A six chord adds another note to that chord. So anytime you have um, a chord that has a number after it or some kind of alteration, uh, it's, uh, let me backtrack, skip the alteration part. Anytime you have a chord that has a number after it, you are adding that scale degree to the chord. So if it's an A6, that means you're playing one, three, five, because that's how you make the A chord, and you're adding the six above it. An A7 has the seventh above it. An A13 has, a, you know, so anytime you're adding, you have numbers to it, it adds to the number of notes in that chord. Okay, so we have our A chord, just a standard one, three, five. And then you add the six. All right, and what that does is it puts the fifth and the sixth right next to each other. And they're only a second apart, two half steps. And so that's what the Beatles decided to end on. That's apparently a, a suggestion by George Harrison. Uh, George Martin thought it was corny, advised them not to do it. They overruled him. And now it's part of the legendary um, sound of the Beatles. The sixth chord. And pretty much anybody that's done it since. I mean, it was a popular jazz thing. That's why George Martin thought it was cheesy, because uh, he said it sounded like the the Glenn Miller Orchestra. And you'd get that a lot back in those days. But every rock group that's ever done it since can trace it back to this song. So that's She Loves You. It saved rock and roll. It brought some energy back into it. It made it loud and, and you know, you know, high energy and dirty and, and danceable, but had lyrics that were accessible to the mainstream and, you know, eventually became the Beatles' uh, best-selling single in the UK. So tomorrow on the Kinks and Beats Daily, what am I talking about tomorrow? Oh, another early Kinks classic, a hit, because we haven't talked about many hits of the Kinks yet. And then I promise... I have on my list, we're going to do a song I don't like very soon. So you can hear me complain about one of my favorite bands of all time. If you're enjoying this show, please go to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. Even if you don't subscribe on iTunes, if you listen elsewhere, um, if you wouldn't 
mind going to iTunes and leaving us a star rating, five stars, please, and a review. That helps us tremendously. Um, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast somewhere so you never miss an episode. And as always, you can swing by herohabit.com to stay up to date on this episode, um, some kinks and Beatles related articles that I've written, as well as join one of our groups. And if you want to be included in this show, leave me a message. It's an American number, 925 494 1739. You leave a message there, tell me your first name, where you're from, and you can talk about your favorite Beatles or Kinks song or your least favorite Beatles and Kinks song. Doesn't have to be one we've already talked about. If you uh, if you pick a song we haven't talked about, I'm going to hold on to those messages and play them on the future episode. And uh, if you do want to talk about one we've already talked about, go ahead and leave that message and I'll still play it on a future episode, um, but it'll be sooner than later. All right, that number again, 925-494-1739. I'd love to hear from all you guys and um, hear what your favorites are or why you dislike She Loves You, if you're going to take that hot take. All right, I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.